Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I am your host, Shane Bacon. Hope you're having a fantastic weekend. A little bit of a delay in the last podcast. I was on the road uh, for PGA Tour Live uh, at the Deutsche Bank. Then I got a chance to go to Aaron Hills um, in Wisconsin, play a couple of rounds up there. A ton of fun, man. I am fired up for that U.S. Open. Uh, Shout out to John Morissette for uh, all the hospitality and such up in Wisconsin. The golf course is amazing. It's really long. It is tough, um, but it's not tricked up. It's a natural golf course. That's what I like about it. And, and really, and, and I'll touch on this a lot more as we get closer to the U.S. Open, but it's not a bomber's golf course, even though you know they can stretch it to some 8,000 yards. I don't think it's going to be a bomber paradise. I think it's going to be more about um, accuracy, finding fairways. I'm getting the ball in play. I almost feel like a, a Zach Johnson or, or Jordan Spieth type will have more success than maybe somebody like Rory or Jason Day who struggle to find fairways at times. But as I mentioned, we'll get to that. Uh, good news uh, on the podcast front. Uh, happy to announce that we have our first sponsorship here at the clubhouse, Swing Juice. Swing Juice makes some of the most fun and comfortable t-shirts around, focused on the great game of golf and all the silliness that surrounds it. Nobody, and I mean nobody, comes up with as many new t-shirt ideas that are as entertaining and electric as Swing Juice, from Masters and Chill to Golf and Tacos, which I'm actually wearing right now. And much, much more. If you use the promo code BACON, spelled just like the yummy meat you eat in the morning, you'll save 20% on purchases. A steal for any golfer looking to up his bar attire when the five-hour round needs a nightcap. Visit SwingJuice.com right now and make sure to use the offer code BACON, B-A-C-O-N, to save 20%. That's SwingJuice.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at the Clubhouse Pod. You can follow me, at Shane Bacon. Um... A fun podcast today. We've got Paul Azinger uh, back for a second time. Uh, it was appropriate. I thought it was a great time to have him, considering all the Ryder Cup buzz that has started and will continue to start um, as we get closer to the last pick by Davis Love the uh, Third, and then the match is getting going in Hazeltine in a couple of weeks. He was candid. I mean, he was as candid as, as I've ever really heard him um, in an interview. He talked about um, who he thinks Davis Love should pick. He talked about um, who he thinks is going to win, and by a route, he he, he mentioned that. You know, he was. It's confusing that um, at times captains haven't followed his model uh, since it worked so well with the pod system uh, back in 2008 when the Americans won. Uh, and, and really, uh, you know, you look at the lineup that they won with in 08. And let me just read it, just because it's it's crazy to think this was 2008, right? Tiger Woods was in his prime, uh, coming off that great U.S. Open victory, but couldn't play because of injury. The team that that Paul Azinger went out and won with. Phil Mickelson, Stuart Singh, Kenny Perry, Jim Furyk, Anthony Kim, Justin Leonard, Ben Curtis, Boo Weekly, Steve Stricker, Hunter Mahan, J.B. Holmes, and Chad Campbell. I mean, this wasn't a murderer's row. It was just a, a, a group of people that Paul Azinger figured out would work well together. So um, he did it. I mean, the, the system he had worked. Uh, he talks about the system. He talks about captains that have called him uh, before. So uh, it was a fun chat with Paul Azinger and, and worth getting into. So let's do it. Let's go uh, to the 08 Ryder Cup winning captain, Paul Azinger. And we welcome into the clubhouse for the second time, fan favorite, major champion, analyst for our Fox coverage, and really great analyst at that. And the 2008 winning Ryder Cup captain, Paul Azinger, on the podcast again. Paul, thanks for coming on. Shane Bacon. I love it, buddy. Um, I have to ask you, because I ask anybody that is a golfer or was a golfer or, you know, maybe won a couple of pretty big events, what have you had to eat today? I know it's fairly early on the East Coast, but I just wanted, have you had anything good thus far this morning? 
Now, what happened the last time we did this about what I ate? Well, you, 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 you kind of beat around the bush. You said you'd snacked a little bit. You didn't really mention anything like hearty. I was a little worried about you. You know, I got to tell you, today I had a Dunkin' Donut, the sour cream Dunkin' Donut. It was ice cold. It had been sitting in the fridge for a couple <laughs> days, and it was so good, I can't even tell you. And then you'll be proud that I had uh, half a cantaloupe with a little cottage cheese on it. That's it. That's pretty good. That's a good I think that's a good Friday meal. Um, people that are uh, you know, you know, listening probably fairly excited might run down the street and do the Dunkin' thing as well. You know, we, we, we've got to talk Ryder Cup. I mean, that's the, the hot-button topic, of course, going on. And, you know, this week, Davis Love picks Ricky Fowler, Matt Kuchar, J.B. Holmes. Uh, still got a pick out there, but I just wanted to get your, your early thoughts on those three names. It, it seemed like fairly safe play, really, for Love with some of the candidates out there. Yeah, and I think with the Tour Championship coming up, um, his situation is pretty clear. I mean, it's either going to be... Justin Thomas, Daniel Berger, or Bubba Watson are going to be the picks. And I think for uh, Justin Thomas or Daniel Berger to get picked, they have to win the Tour Championship. If I think somebody other than those two win the Tour Championship, it will be very difficult uh, to pick them. But who knows? He may pick the winner of the Tour Championship no matter what if, if the winner of the Tour Championship's not already on in the Ryder Cup could be a foreign player win the tour championship too so but other than that it's Bubba Watson um and a, you know that's he's seventh in the world and you can say what you want oh Bubba's not a good partner and that's a bunch of crap as far as I'm concerned Bubba's a great player he can overpower the golf course he's a phenomenal wedge player great hands he just you know he isn't you know hear Davis talk about hot he's not red hot at the moment but Bubba pairs nicely with a lot of players so uh, I'm not buying into all that uh, but I think somebody like Daniel Berger or Justin Thomas has to win the Tour Championship to get in. Well, and, and I was going to ask you about Bubba, and, and I do wonder a little bit. I, I've, I was going to write something about this next week, especially uh, depending on what happens with, with Bubba and the pick. But, I mean, you mentioned it. Seventh in the world. This guy's won two majors. He's won already this season, which is something that a lot of people cannot say. I mean, you know, you, you're, you're looking at somebody like uh, Ricky Fowler, who hasn't won on the PGA Tour this year. Were you surprised that Bubba wasn't one of the three he already picked, considering where he is in the world rankings? Oh, yeah, I was surprised. I actually was surprised Ricky got picked. But, you know, maybe it's a popularity contest, too, I guess. And Bubba's not the most popular guy. He's, uh, you know, he's polarizing, I suppose. And then he, you know, he has some foibles, I guess. He can be volatile mentally and all that, but... He can be emotionally strong, too, and he can deliver a message in a team room on a Saturday night that uh, if needed, if you're behind, you know, and I think that's the only time you have any kind of messaging on Saturday night is if you're behind. If you're ahead, you just do things like you've been doing all week. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just think Bubba's the, the pick unless, like I said, the scenario plays out. If there's another winner besides that the Tour Championship, besides Daniel Berger or Justin Thomas, you know, maybe he's an automatic pick. I'm not sure. But I just feel like my gut's telling me if those two guys don't win, Bubba's getting picked. Well, and don't, don't you think, uh, at least at least the way it looks for somebody like me, who, who is, is very much on the outside and has never been involved in any of this before uh, in terms of picking or, or having to go over this scenario, I mean, it, it does seem strange that somebody with the talent level Bubba has, again, not you, you mentioned not red hot this year, um, he's really struggled with his putting. I think it's his worst strokes gains putting year 
since uh, I think 08, I, I think I read. But, you know, you're talking about a guy that, that has the ability to, 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 to overpower a match. He has the ability to, to pull off golf shots that, that could really almost intimidate, you know, a, a European-type player. And, and on top of that, he can get under people's skin. I think that's something that people don't talk about. That's an underrated factor, especially in these Ryder Cups, is if you're frustrating or even annoying the people you're playing against, that could be a benefit too. Yeah, I, I, I just the way I would sum up most golfers on tour is in two categories. You have love of the game guy, and you have chip on your shoulder guy. And I think Bubba falls into chip on your shoulder guy category. When chip on your shoulder guy gets irritated, he's hard to beat. If you irritate love of the game guy, he's hard to beat too. But I truthfully, when I was the captain of the Ryder Cup team, I wanted a bunch of guys with chips on their shoulder. I wanted guys that made it personal. And uh, Bubba is intimidating. He's intimidating with his length. He, he has an unbelievable wedge game. And I just don't see how you leave Bubba off unless it's the scenario that I painted. Uh, the two other guys who are younger, never been on Ryder Cup teams, it's jump in there and win a tour championship, and they deserve to be in. But, um, yeah, I, I think uh, – and I'm on the outside too. You know, I'm not – my my whole uh, everything I've done with the Ryder Cup since the task force and I didn't want to be on that ever since all that happened in Mickelson's press conference there, you know they talking about Watson and then mentioned our Ryder Cup. You know I've met with the PJ of America on three or four occasions, and this whole system, the picking of Davis Love, I, you know as captain, and all that I had influence in there. Um, the, the, we have a system in place and all that. That's where my influence really stopped, but I had a tremendous amount of say and influence and in how they were going to structure this thing, who the captain was going to be and blah, blah, blah. But beside that, aside from that, I'm disconnected from these players. He's, you know, my, my thinking was that you needed two future captains to be assistants and, that's just it in a nutshell. And maybe a couple past captains there if you want. And they've got Lehman there as a past captain. But the two future captains, I think, are obvious. It's going to be Tiger. It's going to be Furyk. It's going to be Phil. And those guys are there, and their hands in it. My hand's out. Uh, my personality's out. I've put together a system that took a large group, made them into small groups. My philosophy was that personality types and putting green light personalities together was going to be the key to success, and that trumped like games. I believed that every player on our team was a phenomenal player in all phases of their game, and I trusted them as professionals. The goal was to get them to prepare and to out-prepare and to know the course and to have a philosophy and a strategy and to do it in small groups, and I gave them ownership of their groups by allowing them to pick. But I was the guy that structured that, and... Um, pieced all that together. It's not unlike what the PGA of America does to pick their presidents. You know, they have future, you know, they have, uh, like, we need future captains like Europe. Europe has future captains walking around the course. They're there as assistants. They see how the Europeans do it. They have a formula in place. And uh, Americans are willy-nilly. One year, Tom Watson's like, my way or the highway. The year before that, Davis did his thing. The year before that, Corey did whatever the heck he wanted. And it's coming off what we did. And what we did won. Julie Inkster did exactly what we did with the personality types and all that. I think Davis and Tiger and Phil and those guys and Furyk, and although Furyk's not on the team, he's got this input, the, um, 
I think those guys are trying to use personality types and trying to put guys together by personality types. They're talking about like games. And uh, come here and are there. You know, I said in Vegas, they have a 1% edge in blackjack, and they build some pretty giant casinos on that. <laughs> the, but they don't win every hand either. Right. So there's no guarantee that, that you can do everything right and still you can still lose. Um, but in the end, this Ryder Cup and all Ryder Cups are razor thin. And what you're looking to do is get your your team on the other side of that razor-thin line on that 1% or 2% advantage. Europe comes in with it. They come in with a chip on their shoulder. They come in already put together in small groups, really based on nationality. The Englishmen play together. The Spaniards play together. The Irishmen play together. The Swedes play together. They got it naturally. We created it. And... The, the goal then is to create you know the best environment possible for these guys, get them to prepare, and get the heck out of the way. Well, I, I wanted to, to ask about a pick you made um, before the 08 team because he was also a pick here, J.B. Holmes. Um, first, can you tell us a little bit about J.B. Holmes, you know, maybe off the golf course that people don't know about him? Because you went out and picked him as a, as a Ryder Cup rookie. I mean, he was a, a, a relative unknown. And even when you look at this list of players and the captain's picks, I'd say Holmes is the one that people aren't talking about as much as maybe Cooch or Ricky Fowler. Well, yeah, and, you know, you got to realize this, too. I remember when we made our picks, Johnny Miller came out and said, um, I don't agree with any of the picks. He hated all three of our picks. But, you know, we were bonded with a secret. What nobody knew about our Ryder Cup teams, I didn't pick J.B. Holmes. The three guys in his pod picked J.B. Holmes, Jim Furyk, Kenny Perry, Boo Weekly. They had three or four choices that were green-light personalities that could have fit in their pod. They wanted J.B. Jim Furyk, in particular, wanted bombers on his team because he felt that was going to help him. That's what they got, even though he didn't get paired with J.B. Kenny Perry was a bomber. Him and Furyk did their thing. And so when when we were criticized for our picks, uh, what happened was it bonded our team even more because – um, our players had total control, but only in groups of three. It wasn't like 11 guys picked J.B. Holmes at the at the last minute or eight guys picked. Three three-man teams picked who would fill out their pod. Um, Anthony Kim, Justin Leonard, Phil Mickelson had seven potential guys they could pick that were green lights to go in their pod, and they chose Hunter Mayhem to come in their pod. And then I, I'm like, I gave him Hunter Mayhem. If that's who they want, I called Hunter and explained the pod system, and they want. I said they want you, bro. And when, you know, he sold out for them, they sold out for him. And and Hunter Mayhem turned out to be a hero in our Ryder Cup. And uh, so we we didn't want to give like Johnny Miller any credit for motivating the team <laughs> or anything like that. It was like, you know, we just were bonded with a secret. We didn't want to you know, give anybody any credit. If we lose, he's right. And if we win, he motivated us. There was no way we were going to let that happen. So we non-mentioned it and our guys just did what they did. Um, they played great golf and, uh, but it was a very structured, um, philosophy that we went in there with and the players embraced it. They were, uh, really, you know, intrigued by it, I think. And guys, especially like Mickelson and Furyk and Stewart Sink that have been on a lot of losing teams, got engaged right away with this system. And Davis is doing it to the best of his ability. He's got Rotella there. He's got Tiger there, who was a Navy SEAL you know, kind of guy, would love to go in there and do that, as we read in that big Golf Digest article. So all I think all the components are in place. 
But again, if you're looking for that 1% advantage like they have in Vegas and build those giant casinos, that's great. But just remember, they don't win every hand either. So uh, I, I personally think, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say this for the first time, I, I think the U.S. team is going to demolish Europe wow. in this Ryder Cup. And uh, I, I just I think they're just going to crush them. What, what, what makes you think the What makes you think the Americans have an, an advantage? I mean, on paper, I'd say people probably think the Europeans have more of an advantage. I don't believe that. I believe this is one of the most united teams. Now, I think the American team has the most pressure on them they've ever had. Because let's look. This is a fact. That task force pretty much took over, and that task force said the players want this team. You know, we don't want Tom Watson here dictating to us anything. We want to do it together. And they're all in it together. And what, you know, Davis is the figurehead, but in the end, you know, maybe Mickelson's running the show. Maybe Tiger's running the show. I don't know. I'm not in there. But I do know that that these players have put this together based on this system really from 08, honestly, and it works. Whether it's a guarantee or not, I don't know. But when they changed the selection process, the Americans ensured that they would get the best players. We have the best 12 players. There's no disputing that. And I don't know who the 12th guy is, but I promise you he's going to deserve to be there. Um, and uh, I, I just I just think this is the year that America just wipes them, wipes them out. Well, and you mentioned Phil Mickelson. I mean, you mentioned you know his influence here. And, and you mentioned Tiger Woods, and, and that was my next question. Phil Mickelson mentioned uh, earlier this week how prepared – Tiger has been for this as a vice captain, how locked in he's been, um, how, how, how much he's been in these conversations, been in the room, been in the talks. How big will that be for this team, especially considering there are some young guys? I mean, you know, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler. I mean, these guys watch Tiger play. I mean, Ricky's the only one that had been in the room with him. But, you know, I mean, I think it'll be big for Tiger to be on the sideline. You mentioned the 1%. I mean, Tiger could bump it up to 2 or 3% for sure. Well, you know, it depends on the person. You know, if you've got 12 players, you're going to have a lot of different personalities. And so if you're in there showing motivational videos, you know, five guys might love it because they're chip on their shoulder guys, and seven guys are love of the game guys, and they may be cringing because it's putting more pressure on them. Uh, my whole thinking was, let's just not do everything the same. Let's just let the players do what they want. These are professionals. They're not playing ping pong the Saturday night before the last round of a major championship, I can assure you of that. But I trusted the players to be big boys and to prepare. And our message was there's no shortcut to success. You have to prepare. I think the element Tiger brings isn't in his words, but in his philosophy. And I say this on the air a lot. It's not so much what a guy thinks, because what Tiger thought to get to impact the same every time doesn't transfer to me or you. But how Tiger thinks transfers to everybody. And if Tiger opens up and shares how to prepare and how to think, that's where his value comes in. There's no motivational speech that's going to make these guys play good. There's no shortcut to success. You can't hope for it or wish for it. You have to prepare. And that's the message I'm selling. I'm selling to these guys, you've got to get ready and you've got to prepare for this golf course. This isn't a fun fest. You know, Davis Love made a great comment the other day. I don't even know if he hurt himself. Darren Clark said to Davis Love, you guys have so much fun in the team room during the week. Our players all want to be in your team room because we're not having that much fun. And Davis said, yeah, Darren, but you're having fun on Sunday, and we're not. <laughs> well, I hope Davis heard himself because the truth be told, it's not a fun factory. There's nothing fun about when that bell rings at 
7 or 8 in the morning on Friday, and you look around and you know 30,000 people are out there cheering USA, USA, and there's 600 million people watching on TV, the fun ends right there. And so while you want to have fun and all that, I get it during the week, a bunch of guys getting together. The reality is you better get prepared. I think Tiger brings preparation. We've discussed the hot player before versus the experienced player in Ryder Cup decision-making and and really who plays. Uh, Do we put too much weight in experience for these matches in particular? For us, you do. I mean, if all you've ever experienced is getting slaughtered at Ryder Cup, I don't know how experience is going to help you. Um, (laughs) So I just think you got to get the players that are playing the best. My best ever Ryder Cup was my first Ryder Cup. I didn't have any experience. I think if you're playing well and you got your name on your bag, you already got experience. And in the end, it, Ryder Cup's just me against you, man. It's just us two against you two when you boil it all down. And I think the the key really is in just getting prepared. The, there's they don't nobody needs motivation. They don't need inspiration. Nobody needs that. I mean, gosh, if you lose eight of the last ten Ryder Cups and you're not inspired to kick their tail, then you shouldn't be there, and you wouldn't be there. Everybody on this U.S. team wants to crush Europe. Europe wants to crush us back, and that's why it's such a compelling event. But you've got to take players that are playing well, and you've got to kick experience to the curb. Well, I think something that surprised me, I was rewatching the 08 Ryder Cup uh, singles match. You had Chad Campbell play the anchored match, the, the last match, the one that it could all come down to. Considering some of the names on that team, why did you have Campbell in that final match? And again, a, a, a good solid player, especially back in that time. But, I mean, you know, you had, you had Tiger Woods, you had Anthony Kim, you had Phil Mickelson. Well, why'd you go with Chad Campbell in that position? You know what's fun about what we did on, in singles on Sunday? It's in our book, Cracking the Code. Um, you know, we had that pod system, aggressive pod, the redneck pod, and the steady supportive pod. The rednecks were kind of influencing relators. The aggressive guys were obvious, you know, uh, Mickelson and AK and, and those guys. But uh, I put them out in the order of their pods. Here's the thing. I wrote down the exact order I wanted each player to go out all the way down to number 12. Then I sat down with the players, and I started asking them questions. We were, everyone was there except Anthony Kim, who had a hip problem. This is exactly how we did it. This is the inside scoop. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm what excited. We, what I said was to the players, I said, we have a choice. We can, we can put our, our team out, six rookies, six veterans, because that's what we had, or we can go veterans, then rookies. And I said, we can, we can put them out willy-nilly, or we can go out in the order of our pods. What do you want to do? Mickelson said, let's go out in the order of our pods. And I said, I agree. I said, we're up nine to seven. I said, let's put the aggressive pod out first. It feels like all over it. So we were hemming and hawing on Anthony Kim or Justin or, or, or uh, uh, Hunter Mahan. I said, you want to you wanna anchor this pod with the rookies or you want to anchor this pod with the veterans? And they're like, let's anchor it with the veterans. Let's send the rookies out first. AK should go first. Bam, we put AK out first. Then... So Hunter Mayhan goes second. He's a rookie. I said, Phil, you want to anchor this pod? Yeah, I'll anchor my pod. Justin, you're third. Phil, you're fourth. Then I said, let's put, I said, what do you think? Redneck pod next? Let's put Kentucky out next. And they were all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, KP, you're Kentucky, baby. You want to follow Mickelson? Yeah, I'll follow him. I'll follow him. And this is kind of how it worked. I said, Furek, you want to anchor this pod? Yeah, I'll anchor it. Your eighth match out, Jim. You know, so that's how he did it. Boo, I'm going to sandwich you between Kentucky. So it was Kenny Perry, Boo Weekly, J.B. Holmes, Furick anchored his pod. Now we get to the steady supportive guys. And it was Stuart Sink, 
following Furyk. That's pretty strong. And then Stricker. And then it's a toss-up between Ben Curtis and Chad Campbell. Ben wasn't playing that great, and, and Chad wasn't, you know, lighting it up, but he was playing good. And that was a tough decision to decide who was going to anchor that pod. But we put the steady guys out, and it was. Uh, I looked at Chad Campbell. I said, I've been out 12th before. It's the worst place in the world, dude. You won't sleep. You won't get any food in your stomach, you know, if you're like me. I said, but I think you can handle it. Do you mind going out last? And he said, I don't mind a bit, Zinger. I said, I'll trust you, bro. I said, you're in. I said, nobody hits it like you on this whole team. Everybody on our team had confidence in my confidence in them. Chad was happy to go last, and he played, and he played great. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! And Paul, I wanted to take a minute to remind people that Swing Juice makes the most comfortable and coolest t-shirts around. You want a deal. How about the custom juice box, a four-pack of t-shirts you choose that runs just $79, just 79 bucks. That's not counting the 20% off you get for using the offer code BACON during checkout. Shirts like Eat, Sleep, Golf, Repeat, and Waggle, 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 Swing. Waggle, 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 Swing. I think that sounds pretty good. Uh, shirts are available in the Juice Box, along with plenty of other original Swing Juice designs. Check out that deal and plenty more at SwingJuice.com right now. And back to Paul Azinger. And when and just just for people that that don't know, I mean, when you are filling out this list, I mean, not just these matches, but foursomes and four balls, are you seeing the other list? I mean, are you comparing player to player, or do you present twelve names? They present twelve names, and then they just ma- and then and that's who they play. That's exactly how it works. It's a it's a, we put our twelve out in the order we want them to go. Uh, they put their twelve out in the order they want, and then. They open up the two envelopes, and that's the team. Nobody is picking anybody. You know, we're not going uh, down the list saying well, we want so and so to play so and so. That's not how it works at all. It's all blind. It's blind from the very beginning, and I love that aspect of it because strategically, when Europe had better teams than us back when I was playing, what we did was try to get our red hot guys on their best players, and we tried to figure out where their best players were. And so generally, it was like, where's Sevy? You know, where's Langer? Uh, where's Faldo going? We tried to figure out where those guys were going to go, and uh, oftentimes we found those guys. Um, so I think strategically that's that's the most enjoyable part of it. You know, the whole week Anthony kept, Kim kept saying, I want Sergio Zinger, I want Sergio Zinger. And I'm like, dude, I'll try to find him for you. We're going, You're going first the first day. Um, <laughs> and in the end he went out first and he got Sergio, and uh, he was so excited about getting Sergio on Sunday. And I, I remember – uh, AK walking up to the first tee on Sunday morning with thousands of people chanting USA and they're singing their European songs and what have you. And he's got Sergio and I said, "How you feeling this morning, AK?" He said, "I feel good, Captain." So I'm gonna whoop him for you today, Captain. I'm gonna whoop him for you today. And he did, man. He whooped him. He didn't even know he won. Yeah, he, he walked off the green. He walked off the green, going to the next hole. He wanted to keep epic, playing. Epic Ryder Cup moment. We had some epic moments. We had probably the greatest character to ever play Ryder Cup in Boo Weekly, who did the Happy Gilmore off the first tee on Sunday. And we had Anthony Kim doing his thing. It's just a terrific thing. Terrific result, too. Yeah, we, we all know the decisions that, that you have to go through. And, 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 you know, you have to pick vice captains and the picks. And, and you had four picks. And, you know, Davis has four picks. What other factors does a captain have control over, especially a home captain? like Davis Love, that maybe we don't see at home or we don't know about um, as we go into the Ryder Cup? Well, the rules changed a little bit after our Ryder Cup. I'm not exactly sure how much control the golf course Davis is getting. I, I hope lots of control. 
Europe controlled the golf course on us all throughout my Ryder Cup playing days from the 80s through the 90s and even in 2002. Europe owned the golf course when we played in Europe. And they they dialed in the rough the way they wanted it. They moved the rough in in spots to neutralize our power because we had the powerful teams. And they forced our guys to hit three woods and long irons off the tees. And everybody was hitting their second shots from the same spot. And Europe neutralized our strengths. And I asked the PJ of America about that. And so we never, the captains never controlled the course. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. They've controlled the course on us forever. Plus they go to courses where they always play tournaments. And so they have that on us. Um, I called Mark Wilson, the superintendent at Valhalla. We bonded to the point where he actually named his dog Zinger. And uh, <laughs> what an honor, what great. an honor for you. I know it was, we became great friends and uh, he and I, we talked about how to set up the course. If I had a, an accurate team versus an inaccurate team, you know, and the rough heights and all that. And, uh, I wanted deep rough around the greens and I didn't want a whole lot of rough in the fairways. Cause I had a great iron playing team. Last thing I want those guys to do if they drove it in the rough was have to chip out. I'd rather have these great skilled players judging flyers from the rough. And that's what they did. And around the greens, I think we're better around the greens in tall grass than Europe. And that's why Europeans don't usually win U S opens. So uh, that was my philosophy, and um, whether Davis has the same kind of control or not. I mean, you only get so much control. The players have to play, man. The hardest thing for a captain is to create an environment. Well, no, let me say this. Every captain's going to create an environment. That's just a fact. Whether the players embrace it and love it or not is come here or there. My goal was to get the right environment in there, but the hardest thing is to get out of the way. That's the trick. Um, I communicated with players according to their personality types. I didn't communicate with players according to my personality. I set my personality aside. Watson didn't do that. Watson overpowered the players with his personality, and it backfired. Because not everybody thinks like Tom. Not everybody thinks like me. I learned how to think like them. I learned how they thought. I communicated with them according to the way they thought. And for the most part, didn't do it very often. I remember having a conversation with J.B. Holmes. And J.B. Holmes, he turned out to be chip-on-your-shoulder guy. Um, and he wanted someone to tick him off, and he got ticked off. Uh, and once he did, it was, you know, he played unbelievable golf. So, uh, But I, I, I didn't say much to the players during the matches. I didn't say much to the players during the week. Uh, once the bell rang, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there was no kumbaya moments or motivational videos or any of that garbage. These guys did what they wanted at night. They all had three or four choices of their favorite foods every night, and it was a that was the environment we created. Um, and it, there was the whole message was let's go show off for this crowd. Let we're let's go show off. These are our people, and uh, they got prepared and they played great. What's uh what's home field or or home course advantage worth for a Ryder Cup team? Is it, is it half a point or is, is it a full point? It's nothing if you can't own the golf course. For Europe, when they own the golf course the way they do and they keep setting it up to their strengths, well, then it's a huge advantage. But if you're just going to walk in, you know, American Ryder Cups aren't played on courses we play. We don't play Hazeltine. How are we advantaged in any capacity to go to Hazeltine is beyond me. Uh, So um, if you don't go to a golf course that your players know, then I don't see what there's a, that much of an advantage. 
why it's really why, about the, knowing the course, man? Right. No, I mean, I, I, I think it makes total sense. I mean, if they they go to, they go to TPC Deer Run and play the Ryder Cup there, and you've got Zach Johnson and Stricker on your team, you're probably going to have a slight advantage over everybody else. You got that right. You don't think Jordan Spieth plays good at TPC or New Run? <laughs> He's had some <laughs> and success. And European players, see, here's the thing, too. European players come over here and play our tour now. And so there really is, there aren't a lot of courses where we can gain any kind of advantage, but that would be one of them. That's where we ought to have the next Ryder Cup if we lose here. Oh. We ought to go to Deer Run, TPC. <laughs> Let our oh. show ponies kick that's, some butt on a course right. they know. You have 53-year-old <laughs> Steve Stricker on the team making birdie after birdie. I love it. Awesome. Uh, why do you feel like captains haven't followed Euro 8 system? I mean, it, maybe they've tried, but I mean, it was successful. Why do you feel like people decided to go their own way and not do the pod system that, that really resonated with the players? I, I don't know. I mean, Corey never really called me. We ju- we're just different about it. You know, the Europeans, the, the, their tour owns the Ryder Cup. The Europeans kind of, you know, they got a little chip on their shoulder about their tour versus our tour. They're great players. Uh, with a chip on their shoulder, already bonded by nationality. I mean, it's a pretty nice little formula they got going. And, uh, you know, for Corey to do everything I did would give me too much credibility, I think, for Corey. So he he didn't even call me. could care less what I did. He could care less what the players liked. And we're just different in that regard. Watson called me one time. All he wanted to know was why I wanted four picks instead of three. And all I said was I was considering – four three-man teams or three four-man teams. And in case I wanted four three-man teams, I wanted the fourth pick because I wanted the two to pick one. Instead, I, I but I still got the four picks. I picked Stricker, and then each pod picked. And that's how it worked. So, um, But, you know, it was complicated. Of course, Davis, on the other hand, picked my brain. All he wanted to know was what we were doing. And I shared with him everything. He's read the book. And uh, Davis did a heck of a job in the last Ryder Cup in 2012 but something happened on saturday night the ghost of sevy showed up in the european room and uh, i don't know what showed up in the american team room but uh they got they got it handed to him on sunday um so that that was sad and then watson just completely went his own way but davis has picked my brain and i've talked to davis you know a little bit since and i think davis is all over this i don't know how i don't know what davis is doing in great detail and so i don't want to pretend to but i know that uh all my conversations with the PJ of America after the task force, you know, most of what we talk to them about is being implemented. But uh, the only thing really that, that concerns me is that the players now have just taken this over to the point that it's almost supplanted Davis as captain and the leader. But I hope not, um, because they need a they need a real strong leader in there to just keep things organized, keep people out of the players' faces, let the players do what they do naturally don't force don't force motivational videos on them don't force you know i don't know there's some players just want to sit in a corner man and other players want to be out there having fun yeah for sure and and you know you mentioned the four picks um which was a change in four picks davis love has of course he has the one after the tour championship do you think that the captain should should get 12 picks and just do it that way no i'm somewhere between exactly the way it is uh, and having just 12 guys make the team. I, I really am. But uh, I like the way it is. It's intriguing. You know what I find interesting now, though? They're they're going to announce this pick on uh, at a football game at halftime, right? The Sunday pick? Right. So you're going to have, like, 
technically the worst player on the team <laughs> because he's 12th. Right. Or the last guy picked um, get the most, garner the most attention. The only reason I think they could want to do this is because they're going to pick Tiger. Yeah, that was my next question. That yeah, was my man, next question. <laughs> All right, give me this. Explain this. This is this is the scenario. You're sitting home. You know, you're you're in your you're in your recliner. You you got the TV on. It's Sunday night football. Davis Love says, and my next pick is Tiger Woods. Do you jump out of your chair? What do you do? Well, you know, I've talked to my good friend Doug Ferguson about this Associated Press guy quite a bit. And I, I, I don't, we're laughing about it, but I can tell you this much. You pick Tiger Woods, you will have the most watched Ryder Cup of all time. Right. You know, I, I just hope beyond hope he picks Tiger. <laughs> You're in on I it. I mean, you want it to happen. Tiger wants to come back and play three obscure events. Just come on, and they won't be obscure while he's there. He's just added fuel to the fall season, the wraparound that nobody even knows is going on. You know, so I guarantee you, there's guys that played the tour for 30 years that've been retired for 10 that don't even know that there's a wraparound season. Right. But there is, and uh, maybe a lot of your listeners are finding out for the first time. Yeah, guess what? 2017 starting here in pretty soon. <laughs> three weeks. Um, yeah, in three weeks. So, but. I hope he picks Tiger. It'll be the most watched, most anticipated Ryder Cup of all times. If Davis, if you hear me, just pick Tiger and let's get on with it. You heard it. A Paul Azinger endorsement of the Tiger Woods pick. Uh, there's a great Medium article out there as well, and it was really well written about uh, why they should pick Tiger. And I mean, the idea is simple. He plays one team match early. If they lose or get killed, he doesn't play against until singles. I mean, if you look at the 99 Ryder Cup, uh, was it was it Mark Brewer? Who, who was it that that had that, that didn't put anybody out until singles? Basically, just played his his six best players the whole week. Mark James. Mark James. He, yeah, he had, three, he had three or four guys that never played a match until singles, and that backfired on him. But he just kept front loading his team, and he they had this four point lead on foreign soil, and uh, it all got away from him. the greatest comeback in uh, American history right up until uh, Europe did it at Medina. Um, in 2012. Now, that is truly the greatest comeback in Ryder Cup history because they did it on foreign soil. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd I, I love them if they picked Tiger Woods. I just think it would be great, a great opportunity for Tiger. And the thing is, it's only Tiger. It's like me against you, man. It's just Tiger against them, Tiger against him. It's not Tiger posting a score. I just think you got to pick him. That's me. I, I say pick the man. He deserves it. He's the greatest, possibly the greatest player of all times. So just give him his chance. Make your comeback right here. I'm in, I'm in too. Okay, so we're going to finish this off here. Uh, you're a wordsmith. You, you always have a lot of fun things to say. I'm going to read off a few names, some historical, some present. Just give me the first word that pops in your head when you hear their name, okay? Yeah. And, I mean, you know, just don't get fired. That's kind of the goal of this, okay? I appreciate it. Perfect. All right, first one, speaking of the 08 Ryder Cup, Nick Faldo. Man, see, I was going to say never heard of him, the first one, no matter what. <laughs> but I couldn't really do that. But, uh, you know, just thorough is the only way I can say it. And he's reinvented himself. He went from a guy who, who you never heard – complete a sentence to now you can't switch his voice activation system off <laughs> all right jordan spieth 
Jordan Spieth um, is probably the most tactical player to come around since Tiger Woods. The only difference in Tiger and Jordan is Tiger wouldn't articulate his the way he went about playing, and Jordan pretty much removes his skull cap and lets you go right into his brain. Lee Trevino. Uh, maybe the the best ball sp- striker to ever play competitive golf. He uh, a great character from humble beginnings, and you know he he reminds me of the guy who it's it's not always what you accomplish that matters. Sometimes it's what you overcome. He overcame severe poverty and uh, turned out to be an American hero. Did you get to play much golf with him? I did. I played a lot with him. He literally adopted me because of my shut face and strong grip. He worked with me. I remember hitting balls next to Trevino at uh, Colonial way back in the early 80s, about maybe 1985, mid-80s. And uh, I'm hitting balls next to Trevino, and there's a guy down there at the end of the range hitting these moonshots with wedges in every club. And Trevino looked at me because I was that low ball hitter like Trevino. Trevino looked at me and said, see that guy down there? Yeah, no chance. That man got no (laughs) chance. Well, guess what? That highball is about the only game in town now. That's right. That's exactly a little bit different. How much has golf changed? Golf used to be played close to the ground. Now the game's played straight up in the air. And, you know, while a guy can make a mockery of a hole like that, Shane, cutting corners and taking a 470-yard hole and hitting wedge to it because he took a chance, uh, you know what? Hats off to the guy that's willing to let his ball hang in the air for 9 or 10 seconds when we weren't. We were not. We played that ball close to the ground. Once it got on the ground, safe. But these guys are hitting moon balls over trees, and uh, that risk can can get you the reward, but it also you can make double or triple bogey in one swing of the bat. Yeah, and speaking of one of those guys that, that, that kind of adopted that philosophy, your next name is Rory McIlroy. Yeah, hits absolute bombs. He swings like a, a kid without a care in the world, you know, versus some of these guys you see them out there playing golf like they're playing with their last ball. Not, not, not McElroy. Yeah, last one, and here is our 2016 Ryder Cup pick, Tiger Woods. Yeah, Tiger Woods. You know, talk about a guy who looked like he was playing with his last ball. But um, you know, I just feel like that Tiger's not coming back unless he's physically fit and healthy. And uh, he here, Tiger doesn't need any more lessons. Tiger needs a conversation. He doesn't need to be told what to think. He needs to be reminded how to think. And that the best players know how to think. And Tiger's forgotten that. It's not about perfection out here. No two swings have ever looked the same at this level. Ever look the same. What are you looking for if no two swings ever look the same? Do never please Tiger. <laughs> Somebody needs to remind this guy what's important. You've got to drive it in play or within reason. You got to wedge it, and you got to make putts. It's not complicated. It's not easy, or it's not it's not simple, but it is easy. Just go do it, or vice versa. It's not easy, but it is simple. That's what it is. It's not easy, but it's simple. With uh, with Tiger on the Ryder Cup team, will you watch every second of? I mean, will you watch every second of the Ryder Cup, no matter what? Probably. And you and you told me as I let you go. You're about to go play golf. I thought you didn't play golf. Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't know what the heck's going on, but I, I just have gotten my whole body just went relaxed. You know, it's like 
the goal, my goal is to swing the club with no words, really. You know, the motion's a second or a second and a half, and there's a lot that can go through your mind in that motion. But I'm going to trust that I'm physically smart. I'm not thinking about a whole lot when I'm swinging that axe to the tree, you know. <laughs> that that axe is squaring up right to that tree, and it's going to be the same here with golf for me. I'm just going to relax and enjoy it and trust that I'm physically smart enough to own that club face. And Zinger, you, you played, you told me a story um, a few weeks ago. You played... Not too long ago, some kids were trash talking you, and you went out there and, and put together a pretty good round. Will you just share the, the the little story, and then we'll let you go? Well, I mean, every shot I hit sounds like a bag of nickels, you know, just <laughs> clank, clank. It was terrible. You know how it sounds when someone's hitting it well. Well, these guys were heckling me before we teed off, and uh, I went out and buried seven of the first ten, and it was just it was nice. It's been a few months ago now, but uh, there's still, you know, a, don't make chip on your shoulder guy mad. That's right. That's right. Don't be. <laughs> don't trash talk a guy that's won a major. It's won a whole bunch of PGA <laughs> Tour events. He he can still find it in there. Uh, Paul, appreciate uh, it, of course. Uh, thanks so much for all the insight and the look ahead at, at what we should expect the Hazeltine. It's going to be a good one. All right, Shane. It's my pleasure. See you, man. Well, that'll do it. A uh, great podcast. I really appreciate uh, Zinger coming on. Always a great conversation. Um, always has great insight. Crazy. I mean. You know, we talked after the podcast ended, and he was like adamant about this Tiger Woods idea. Let's have Tiger Woods on this team. Why not? Uh, what could go wrong? I mean, I'm sure plenty of things could go wrong, but at the end of the day, I guess if he plays one team match and one singles match, he goes 0 2. Uh, so that would be the worst thing, I guess. But uh, who knows the intangibles he could bring and the fun that would come with a uh, Tiger Woods <laughs> inclusion on this Ryder Cup team? Probably not going to happen. Probably not fair to some of the other players like. The Bubba Watsons, Justin Thomas, and Daniel Burgers, who've played all season and, and, and worked their way to this position to potentially get on this Ryder Cup team. But alas, Tiger, 14 majors, a million PGA Tour wins, uh, potentially could uh, maybe get a nod. Who knows? It'll be fun. If not, we get Safeway Classic in a couple of weeks. Um, I'll have a new podcast next week, uh, more Ryder Cup talk uh, from a different angle. Thanks for uh, always listening, subscribing, commenting. Um, and also, if you've made it this far, I'll just let you know, we're going to have some uh, clubhouse koozies coming up soon uh, and they'll just randomly be given away so uh, look out on social media you might just find one in your inbox and uh, that'll do it for this week have a great weekend play some golf make some birdies we'll talk to you next week